Hello, my name is Brad, and we are Grace Teaching today. Welcome. If you fall, get up. Have you ever seen this before in a toddler? They learn how to walk, and they fall. What do you do if you're a loving father? And you have a child that's learning how to walk, and it stumbles, and it's, it, it falls... Well, you just pick that little baby right up, don't you? And brush his little butt off and and let him try again. That's the way our Father is with us as his children. You know, to all who received him, to them who believed in his name, Jesus Christ, God gave us the right to be called children of God. You know, as children of God, our Father does the same thing with us. We fall all the time and he picks us up in a loving hug and says, try it again. You know, when I was learning how to ski, I'll tell you what, skis were very, you know, to me personally, I, I don't think man should should have ever um, invented or been on skis, on a ski slope, on a slippery, you think about it, you're, you're, you put on these snow skis, and I was learning how to snow ski, and I put these long boards on my feet and tied them to these boards, and I went to stand up, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I was never designed. I wasn't created to do this. This is so foreign. This is not right. There's just something not right about this. It doesn't feel right. And I I was so determined to learn how to ski because it looks so fun. But after putting on the skis for the first time and standing up, I had second thoughts. I was like, I don't know about this. I think this is just crazy. Anyway, I was so determined to learn how to ski without falling that uh, I hung in there. I just stuck right in there. And uh, I'll never forget it. My brother, he was teaching me. Very patient feller. I'm sure thankful that he had patience with me. But, uh, you know, I fell over and over and over again. Learning how to ski that first day, I'll never forget it. I must have fallen every five to ten seconds. The minute I would stand up, I would fall. Eventually, I got up the hill, and he put me on a chair. My brother and I got on a chairlift, and we went up the lift, and uh, he managed to get me up to the top of the mountain. Well, now there's the, you know, standing. you got to learn how to balance yourself as you're standing up on these skis, and now, after you learn how to stand up and balance yourself on the skis, you got to learn how to ski with this, with these long, you know, boards under your feet down this hill well he's telling me snow plow snow plow just snow plow and I'm like I have no idea what you're talking about so I had to learn how to snow plow I had to learn how to lean you know he's don't lean that way you got to lean this way and uh, you know and just there's so much to learn and uh, overwhelming to say the least but I would fall. Once, you know, I would fall so hard. And one thing I noticed about falling, he would tell me this. He'd say, it's okay. Just get up, brush it off, and let's go. And eventually, you'll learn how to do this without falling. And, you know, I did that over and over and over and over again. And finally, to this very day, I can tell you, I can actually ski down a hill without falling. Isn't that the way it is, being a Christian in this world? It seems like we fall. Things come at us. Remember, trials and problems come to us like waves to the shore, don't they? They just keep coming. Sometimes some are bigger than others, but they just keep coming. They're not going to stop. A lot of times Christians complain about their problems all their whole life. 
You know, but the truth of the matter is, they're like they're like waves to the shore. They're never gonna stop. So we need to learn how to grab a surfboard and surf, sort of speak, if you know what I mean. But remember, the righteous man, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness in the in the Greek language is dikaios, and it means to be right with God. Did you know at the moment of our conversion in Christ? That life made us right with God? That's right. If you're in Christ today, you are right with the Father all the time. And He's more than willing to pick you up and dust you off and help you get back on the way again, down the hill. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in time of disaster and collapse. You know, if you're a righteous man or woman in Christ, you will fall. It's not a matter if or if you will. You will fall. You know, we all sin on occasion. And when we do, we have to remember that even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Our Father loves us with an unconditional love, and it doesn't matter how many times you fall. Get up. Your Father loves you. And that's what keeps getting us up. That's what the proverb means. We, we keep getting up when we fall because we know we're loved unconditionally by our Heavenly Father. When a believer in Christ who trusts Christ is knocked down, harassed by the world or sick, whatever the case may be, um, we will get back up. But the opposite is true. For the unbeliever that's not in Christ, when they get knocked down, harassed, or when they fall, they won't get back up. You see, it goes right, uh, it, it lines right up with what Jesus talked about when he was talking about the rich, um, the foolish, and the wise builder. You know, that's the story of the parable about the foolish builder who built his house on the uh, the house or the foundation on uh, sand and when the storms came um, the storms of life came it blew the house away it just knocked it down and destroyed it but there was the wise builder and that's a believer in Christ who trusts Christ um, when the storms came um, against them their house um, it never moved it, it was steadfast because it had a, its foundation built on the rock you see, and so the wise builder, foolish builder parable, the blessing is towards us in Christ because we are described as the wise builder because we trust Christ. And you think about this application verse here that we have to him who is able to do more than we can ever ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So Christ died for us so he could give his life to us so he could transmit his life through us. So how do you defeat problems? You know, we're going to have them. You're probably in one right now. You know, problems and trials, like I mentioned, they're like waves to the beach, wave, waves to the shore. You know, we're either coming out of one or, you know, headed into one. But that's just the way it is all the time. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. How, what does that mean to be full of joy? 
How this is the way you defeat problems. Remember, the joy of the Lord is our strength, folks. So feelings of depression can often be solved, um, or worry, or anxiety, or fear can all all be solved. These feelings um, can be solved when those who suffer with these. Um, whether it be depression, fear, anxiety, or worry, when we just move the focus from ourselves to Christ and others. You see, the problem is we're so me-focused, me-centered. I got to come up with a plan. I'm in control of my life and everybody else's. You see, that's the wrong tree. We're on the wrong tree. We need to get over on the tree of life, trusting Christ, not trying to figure everything out. You see, when we're trying to figure everything out, we're full of fear. We're not full of joy. Joy is an inner gladness, a deep-seated pleasure. It's described as extreme happiness. It's a depth of assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. It's a cheerful heart that leads that, that leads to cheerful behavior. You see, joy is not an experience that comes from favorable circumstances. Many people believe it does. I used to think that if my circumstances were all favorable, then I would experience joy. But if my circumstances were not all favorable, then I would not experience joy. See? But joy is an experience that comes from favor <clears throat> that comes not from favorable circumstances, but it's God's gift to believers. Did you hear that? Joy is a gift that we have in Christ. He is our joy. He is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. How do we appropriate, how do we experience this? If we're in Christ right now, the way we experience this is, is we put our right hand over our heart and we just say, thank you, Jesus, that you're my joy. Your joy is my strength. Period. So rejoice. Rejoice means to be full of joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Philippians 4, 4, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. You know, not the fruit of me or you. As we trust Christ and live from his life-giving spirit to bear his character of joy, we will experience it and bear it to other people. Remember, we cannot experience or bear joy in our own strength. It's only through dependency on Christ. Jesus said this, I have told you that I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 15:11. Consider Jesus, folks. Brother, sister, consider Jesus during the trials. The definition of trials is testing or being tried. It's temptation, it's affliction. What is it you're going through? You know, we have to be careful not to say, "Oh, this is bad." And this is good. No, bad and good is good is is the same with God. We know that because of the cross. Jesus hung up on a cross, but it produced God's glory. See, the negative produced a positive. 
So we have to remember our positives in life as believers in Christ. I want to say this slowly. Our positives as believers in Christ are going to be disguised as negatives. Do you get that? Get that. If you don't get it, get it. Our positives are disguised as negatives if we're in Christ. It's always for God's glory. So it doesn't matter if we're being tested or being tried or we're in temptation right now or afflicted. It does not matter. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's a few things to look at in this verse. First of all, whenever you have a trial, or if you're being tried or tested, or you're going through affliction, tempted, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, consider Jesus. Just consider moving your thoughts to Jesus and not the circumstance. Whatever we focus on gets bigger, and we can only have one focus for our life. Okay? So this includes all brothers and sisters in Christ whenever we face a trial. And another thing to look at, that James says here, it's the testing of your faith. Get it? It's a test. A lot of times the teacher is quiet during testing time, aren't they? That's why we are a lot of, a lot of times we're perplexed. We don't understand. We're asking questions like why and not what, you see? During testing time, remember, it, it's the teacher is quiet. Just as he was on the boat when he was had his head on a pillow and the disciples were wondering if they were going to die or not. You know the story when they were on the boat, the ship, and the disciples thought they were going to die because of the waves and the, the depth of the sea. And, and Jesus was on the boat in the back on a pillow sleeping. And he gets up and calms the storm and says, where's your faith? You see? So the way you pass a test is a lot of times just move your thoughts from the circumstance over to Jesus. It's that simple. And, and in the process, what happens is as we trust him, he is our source for persevering through no matter what it is we're going through. And that's how you mature and see that you are complete through your union with Christ. Thank you for joining us. God bless.